Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Welcome back to Revolution Podcast. I figured a nice chill start would be nice. How was that? You know, it was very relaxing. Good. I, I, I think we can provide some relaxing entertainment sometimes. Quinn, when, when you would like to relax on a perhaps a day off from your very busy work schedule, what would you do to relax? Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you do? What, oh, are your, what are your methods and modes of relaxation? I like to go out and play some basketball. Mm-hmm. Sometimes golf or disc golf just hits nice. Yeah. I will say it's not always like relaxing. It's nice. Mm. It, the thought of it going out and playing golf, playing around a golf is relaxing. Yeah. You get out there and you just want to throw your clubs. Right. Um, oh man. So how can you actually kick back and stretch mm. out and. Oh man. Relax. Sometimes it's just watching some TV. Mm. What's your go-to? Oh, the There's office. One correct an- there the office That's is, the correct answer. The office is like, man. It is so rewatchable, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And you can just pick episodes out like, oh, we watched one. Do you remember the first episode of season three? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know why you're not saying the name, too. <laughs> I totally know what you're talking about. That's a phenomenal episode. That one just kills me. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. And then the finale, the season finale, the show finale. Mm. It's hits. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. It's like my kids all grew up and married each other. It's every <laughs> parent's such a, dream. Such, such a good line. <laughs> I love that guy. Oh, man. He says he says things that start correctly or like have like correct intentions, but just go so, so wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like how about, that. How about you? What's your way to relax? I think I kind of know the answer. No, I was, yeah, you totally do. I was going to say like going out and playing golf or basketball sounds horrible. That sounds like probably like terrible way to spend my day <laughs> that just sounds so miserable <laughs> what would i do i it, i would prefer it to be raining raining would be nice right i forgot about that mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. i would like for it to be raining i would like to be able to sit outside on my deck to cover over like you know like you got the overhang so you're not getting wet but it's a little bit chilly and so you're dressing like maybe sweatpants and a, and a like a t-shirt that's a bit too big and maybe a hoodie, um, but you got like a blanket wrapped around you too and you're sitting in a nice soft chair and you can he- like smell and hear the rain and it's very nice. And you got a hot cup of coffee, mm-hmm. uh, not too hot so that you burn your tongue, but hot enough to drink um, and a good book. And mm. you and you literally have nothing all day. Nobody interrupts you and you can just read for like eight hours with yeah and food doesn't take that long to prepare for some reason like food happens quickly mm. how about you just get someone to bring you another coffee or food well, that's why i want to get married quinn right? <laughs> i'm kidding okay let's dive into oh, today's episode. Oh, what? that sounds what? like a terrible day to me oh yeah first of all raining like i want to go outside and play my round of golf yeah um i can't read for eight hours yeah um, half an hour, 45 minutes is my max. Mm. I heard, what's it, somebody, oh, who was it? Somebody very recently said to me that they can read for like two minutes. Most. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a sad life. That sounds terrible. 
So if if you want to read your Bible and all you have is like five minutes, I have two. Okay. I have two minutes. So, okay, yeah. then, then read those make two. It, make them count. Mm-hmm. Make them count. Um, today we are getting into an episode on shame. Yeah. Um, I don't know precisely what we want to call this. Um, maybe shame in the Christian life, shame in the Christian walk. What do we do with shame? Um, shame uncovered. Shame uncovered. <laughs> ah, that sounds weird for some reason. <laughs> uncovering shame nah 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 nah. that just it's not i didn't think about it anyways before I said anyways it. um shame we we are talking about the theme of shame today um quinn what like you like going into this episode because shame is something like that we've maybe talked around before not just on the podcast but in our conversations but like what compels you um what feels necessary in talking about shame why is it an important thing to talk about why does it matter for like you um and yeah maybe we can just start there why why is this an important subject to you and why would it be important to other people yeah well i would say um shame as we're going to talk about it can start out as a good thing per se Mm. um but but if you let it um, overtake you and and go too far, it actually spirals and has a snowball effect to a lot of um, bigger things and maybe some bigger things that you weren't expecting. And so I, I think for me, it's like, I, I actually just don't want to see people go down that route mm. as I've gone down that. I've seen people go down that route as well. And so I, I, I want to talk about it because shame is so... Um, it can be healthy mm. in recognizing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um but it can also be very unhealthy in the sense of, um, yeah, you just get trapped in a in a lifestyle that you weren't um, prepared for and that God doesn't want for you. Sure. Um, would you say shame is a common thing? Like how, how relevant is this for people? Yeah, I would say shame is, is pretty relevant. I mean, there can be shame that uh, you've had um, for numerous years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say everybody has at least a, a little bit of shame. Um, in certain situations, mm-hmm. um, depending on, on yeah, your your situation. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so you, you kind of laid out a tra- trajectory there. You said shame can be a good thing, um, but it can snowball. And you said that you can get stuck then in a lifestyle that you wouldn't want to. So let, let's go to the beginning there. Um, where does shame come from? Like, wh- like, why do we feel shame? And what is that good role that it can play in our lives? Mm-hmm. Like, like. What 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 would you say is like shame in its beginning? Healthy shame, mm-hmm. like yeah. Where precisely does shame come from? Yeah, I, I've got a couple thoughts rolling around in my head, but mm-hmm. I think you can lay it out a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I think I I like I when when I was putting my thoughts together for this episode, I didn't uh, I wasn't planning on using Genesis at all, but you brought it up for me, and I actually quite like it. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden um, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and it says, so it says, uh, Eve ate and she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And now Genesis 3, 7, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. Um, the way that reads to me, they knew they were naked um, is a literary way of saying they became ashamed um they grew in shame shame over came them um 
why when, when, when did this shame happen like what triggered this shame sinning against god um mm-hmm. not just not but not simply sinning because i think we know a lot of people who sin and don't feel shame yeah right but specifically what 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 were they eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so they sinned but not only did they sin but they became aware that what they had done was evil they became aware of what evil was they became able to distinguish good from evil and i think that's where shame starts in our lives as well because i think we're like like you know roman says we're all born sinners everybody's a sinner and i don't think we always we don't no i know we don't always feel shame for our sin um mm-hmm. sometimes sin feels correct to us in a twisted way and maybe it won't always but in the moment sin can feel right and good um so when does this shame come in and shame we talked about is like uh shame is like a, a a painful sense of humiliation for wrong actions you've done where does that come from it comes from the knowledge of good and evil from becoming aware that the thing you've done is wrong um and so i I see in this narrative in adam and eve then the eyes of both were opened they became aware of good and evil and they knew that they were naked so their eyes were opened they became aware of good and evil and they knew they were naked they became aware that they had committed evil before god and so they were ashamed um and so why would we call that shame good um john piper compares shame to a surgery uh i I can read the exact i don't want to mess it up uh because he's much smarter than i am um sometimes shame functions like surgery to bring us the healing that we need um healthy shame where does shame start shame starts in becoming viscerally powerfully aware that we have dishonored God. We become mm-hmm. aware that we have committed evil, treason against the natural laws of the universe, right? Like that that we are that we are casting ourselves against the current of reality and 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 trying to upset the natural order that God, the perfect order that God has created. God has created us to be righteous. We are unrighteous, so we're rebelling against the perfect creation of God, and then we become aware of that. And that fills us with this hot, desperate, humiliating, painful sense of shame. We know that we have sinned. We, we have knowledge of good and evil. Um, why, why would we call that? So we can, I think we can all see that that's the place where shame starts. Why wouldn't we call that healthy shame? Um, we're not saying that's a good place to be necessarily. Like it would be, it would be better if you hadn't sinned at all. But it is better to feel shame over your sin than to keep on sinning without shame, right? Like I think mm-hmm. uh, we all know people who sin shamelessly, right? Like um, guys who sleep around with girls and break their hearts and just don't don't care much about it, mm-hmm. um, or or people who double cross their friends or betray their friends constantly and just don't feel any shame. People who lie compulsively and feel like they have no regret about it we all know people who sin shamelessly um and that's a that's a pretty terrible thing and and i and i think it comes from being so focused on yourself and your own shallow pleasures that you are blind to how your wrong actions affect people um and so in feeling shame you become aware that there's actually this goodness that you're um offending uh that this what would you say right standing order that you are hurting and and ultimately a a holy perfect person that you are hurting 
rebellion against, spitting on God. Um, and so it is better to feel shame over your sin than to not, uh, because you're because it is turning from an inward look at yourself and your own shallow pleasures to an outward look and realizing, oh, I've offended the creator of the universe. And you might not think of it like that. It might start in, oh, I've hurt my friend or I've hurt my parents or I've hurt my sibling or, or I've hurt my spouse or I've hurt my boyfriend or girlfriend. That might be where it starts. But ultimately, sin hurts God more than anybody else. Interesting. Um, uh, I, we, do, we don't have to get into this too much. Uh, it's just very, very interesting to me. Um, but uh, Paul, uh, Paul, this, there's about like 10 examples that are rattling through my head and I'm trying to be able to okay. cite one easily. Um, Paul, or I should say Saul, before his conversion, during his conversion, uh, Saul's ravaging the church, right? Throwing men and women in prison, wanting to kill Christians. And then Jesus appears to him on, on the road to Damascus and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's a kind of profound. Jesus doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting my children? Why are you persecuting my chosen people? He says, why are you persecuting me? Because our sin hurts God first. Uh, I read the Old Testament. That, that happens all the time. God claims, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, if, like, if, if you, like so, Quinn, say, um, I have a friend who you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And they betray me. And then you confront that friend and say, how dare you hurt me like that? And not me as in me, but me as in you. Mm -hmm. That's kind of silly. You can't claim hurt for a sin that somebody has done to somebody else. Yeah. But sin is ultimately against God. And so God can claim ultimate um, injury, uh, sadness, and pain from sin first. Um, and so why would we call this healthy shame? Back to the question. Um, because it might start as, oh, I've hurt the people around me, but it should, uh, uh, if you're not a believer, obviously it's a bit harder to get to this place, but as a believer, you progress to the point of realizing I have rebelled against the king of the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, I would just say it's better to know that than to not. Yeah. And, and I would say if you feel that shame uh, in that moment, it's like, man, I have sinned, sinned against the creative universe. I've mm -hmm. sinned against my friend, um, let's say my parents, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, in that moment, you're called to repent. Yes. In that moment, as soon as you're like, man, I have, I've, I've hurt this person, go apologize to them and repent to God because yeah. that is that is where God will free you from that shame because you have, you know the consequences of your actions. Absolutely. And you yeah. know how it feels. And so you make it right and, and you won't have that shame. Totally. And we, we can talk about, because free, freedom from shame is something maybe we can talk about more extensively in a little bit once we've unpacked the idea a bit more. But just to hit off what you're saying there, uh, Acts 10, 43 says, um, Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So there is a path to forgiveness of your sins, but but it is not in you, it is in God first. That's the point of grace, right? By grace, you've been saved through faith. faith. And this is uh, gifts, not of your own works that no one may boast. So the path to forgiveness, freedom from shame is through God's grace, which is a free gift. So it's nothing you can do. Uh, could we quickly look at the Genesis text again to kind of explore? Yeah human responses because you talked about a trajectory like a snowball and i think maybe uh adam and eve give us a pretty good picture of what that looks like because <laughs> uh verse seven then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths what are adam and eve doing there uh i believe their nakedness 
in this moment is representing their shame before God. And so what do they do? They try to take matters into their own hands. They try to cover up their shame by themselves. They try to solve the problem of shame by themselves. Um, how could maybe, maybe I can toss this to you, um, or at least get your thought on this, but have you seen, or how often have you seen, or what do you think of people trying to solve their shame or maybe the source of their shame, wrong actions by trying to do good actions to make up for it? Mm-hmm. Are like, you saying trying have, to like 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 maybe we can give like a super practical practical example? Let's say I have um, done something very wrong against my father, okay. um, and so in order to try to fix that, I I start trying to do good things um, to outbalance the mm. bad. Well, uh, maybe my question is, what would you say acting in that way and trying to deal with shame and correct shame in that way? What what kind of effects might you see that having on a Christian's life? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I would say if you're, if you're trying to outdo the good with bad without actually um, trying to confront the problem itself, um, you're just trying to, you're just trying to make like a a rabbit trail, but it's actually going to lead you further away because you haven't dealt with anything. Mm. When you say confront the problem itself, what do you mean by that? Um, if you know why, if you know why you're feeling the shame, mm-hmm. um, talk. Let Let's say, like you said, you mm-hmm. you hurt your father. Yeah, you you sinned against your your father. Um, if you know that's why you're causing your shame, mm-hmm. I would say go repent to your dad. Mm. Um, because your your dad should should love you and forgive you. Right. Um, and you, and you'll know in your heart that it's like, all right, I've done this. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I repented. He forgives me. We're good now. Sure. Can we take this to a higher level? Conceptually? Yeah. Um, if sin, like sure, your sin can have a uh, hurt and ramifications for people in everyday life, but sin ultimately hurts God most like sin is first and foremost against God, our yeah, father. Yeah. Um, what about people and Christians, many of whom I know and myself having been in this position Two, um, trying to make up for your flaws, mistakes, and sins by good works, by forcing yourself to do good things, by reading your Bible, by praying, by going to church, by doing good to others, all good things. But what if we are doing those good things with the intention of curing our shame of what would you say bolstering up our weighty consciences with like with a helium with the hot air of good works um so you're saying trying to do good things um in order to appease god maybe yeah yeah even if it isn't always thought of in that way but that's what it comes down to yeah I would say, oh man, yeah, I, I would say maybe you're just, you're not trying to actually be yourself. Unpack that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you're not trying to, you're maybe be yourself. That's the wrong word. That's okay. Um, you know, I get suspicious of phrases like I know, that. I know. So <laughs> you, uh, saw, you saw my eyebrows tweaking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> um, you 
you're not trying to do things um, for the sake of um, restoring your relationship with God. You're doing it for the sake of trying to help yourself mm. to make yourself look on a higher standard. It's like, yeah, I might be mm. going through the shame, but I'm going to church. I'm mm. reading my Bible. Right. I'm praying. I, I'm serving in my church, whatever it is. It's I'm like still living rightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, try, you, you could be just justifying things in you're trying to justify yeah. your actions with better actions in your own head, mm, thinking yourself. that that's going to make yourself look good in front of God. Mm. Um, but that's not the picture. Yeah. No, y- you can't. Um, try and make yourself look incredible to God because yeah. God sees your whole entire self. Yeah. He sees your heart. He sees your motivations and your mm-hmm. intentions. Mm-hmm. So this fluffy stuff that you're doing on the outside, it doesn't actually fix anything. What you need is true repentance. Come on. That's the only thing. That's good. Um, Paul says we have no righteousness that comes from ourselves, but only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What we've talked about righteousness before. Righteousness is right living. It's yeah. it's good works, and righteousness is a good thing. Like God says, "Be holy as I am holy." Um, live perfectly as I am perfect. Um, but then Paul says, "You you have no righteousness. You have no right living of yourself." But then he says, "You." But that doesn't mean you don't have righteousness. Mm-hmm. You just don't have a righteousness that comes from yourself. Your righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is maybe we're getting to the key of shame. And I, I want to get, I, I do, Quinn, I, I want to get into the, the the cure for shame. I want to get into that healing bit. But maybe we can just like like uh, uh, zoom in on a Christian who isn't walking rightly uh, beneath this, a, a correct understanding of Jesus. Um, what, like, what effects could you imagine would, 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 take place upon somebody who lives year in and year out in this method of trying to prove their righteousness to themselves, to others, and to God, instead of relying on Jesus' righteousness. Let's look at the negative before turning to the positive. Because you you talked about the snowball Mm -hmm. effect, right? So I'm trying to follow your line of thought. Where does that go? You get burnt out. Mm, How so? You get burnt out because so many of us, like we all want to be liked, right? We want to be liked by others. And so if what we're trying to do is we're trying to actually cover up these insecurities of what we've done, we get, we keep trying to feed into that being like, I'm going to do this to make myself look good in front of this person. And I'm going to do this. And suddenly you can't do that for years and years and years Mm. by your own strength. Right. You can't try and please others um, for the sake of trying to cover up your own shame. Yeah. Um, you get burnt out. You're, you're suddenly just going to be tired and done and you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Mm. Um, and, and I would say that's a huge negative. For sure. So that's an effect it would have upon you as a person. What effects could you see that having on your spiritual life and your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. You haven't actually properly tried to build a relationship with God. Mm. Mm. What what if they what if what if they're trying very very hard yeah, yeah. by living by trying to do these good things mm-hmm. um yeah by by trying to do these good things and you and you you want to have this relationship you want this relationship and so you're trying to do these good things to like 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 you said like justify your own actions like sure I'm sinning and I like I feel shame like I feel bad for the wrong things I've done but look at all these good things too look at at this good stuff I can offer to you mm-hmm. god yeah i i think y- your relationship with god still becomes about you mm. um and what you can do yeah what what can i do for god <laughs> how can i 
please God, how can I, God, make happy and delighted hmm. in me? You can't do that. Right. God already loves you. Right. He already cares for you. Yeah. He He forgives you when you say, Lord, help me, forgive me. I can't do this on my own. There it is. Yeah. yeah. He's forgiven you. Yeah. That's good. I wish I'd written references down. Um, but they're, they're just verses that I know and I don't know the references to. But uh, the Bible says, like, what service can man render unto God? Um, did not God create the whole heavens and the whole earth? What can men give to him? Um, in, I think, Isaiah or Psalms, I, I do not desire temples built by man's hands. Or, 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 or oh, in another place, it says, um, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not desire temples built by men. I do not desire um, their, I, I'll paraphrase CSV, their works of service. What I desire is a broken, contrite heart. Mm-hmm. God wants your heart. He doesn't want a perfect heart. He, he doesn't need a perfect heart. Yeah. God, God, I mean, <laughs> oh, oh man, my, my thoughts are flying right now. I'm sorry. Let me turn to the book of Ephesians and we could, I'll mark my place at Genesis because I want to come back there. Um, but let me turn to the book of Ephesians quickly. Um, can you play our Jeopardy music just while I do that? Do, 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 awesome. do, 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 oh, oh, no, let me think. Uh, where, where was it? Okay. I, I know it's somewhere in Ephesians. That's a good place to start. Yeah. I probably would have started in Job and just marked my way all the way. Job is great. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Here, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 3, um, verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. He's talking about God's gift of grace to him, to save him, uh, to choose him as a minister of the gospel. This, to, to me, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the, listen to this, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is what he says. The point of the gospel, the point of his conversion, the point of everything. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized, that he has seen fruition in, that he has made come to pass in Christ Jesus our Lord, so I ask you, brothers and sisters, not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, over what I am suffering for you. I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. And then he he says, this is the point, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant, listen to that word, grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What is the point of you? What is the point of of God creating the earth? What what does the psalm say? The heavens declare the glory of God, right? Mm -hmm. Our 
purpose is to, what did, what did he say? Be filled with all the fullness of God. What, what are we created in? We're created in the image of God. What on earth does that mean? Jesus, he's the exact imprint of the Father's nature. Jesus perfectly reflects back to the Father. The Son perfectly reflects back to the Father his perfect glory, his perfect character. God, first and foremost, delights in his glory. That makes sense because God is the best thing in, in like ever. God is the best thing in all creation. He is above all creation. He is best. Mm-hmm. So of course he delights yep. in himself. Why does he delight in us? He delights in us most when we most display his glory. How do we display his glory? Paul says that's the point of the gospel, to display the wisdom and glory of God in you so that Christ may dwell in you through faith. So the, re- like the reason we're redeemed is to show the grace of God because that's his glory. Mm-hmm. And so... I can't remember why I started talking about this. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I, fe- I feel like we must have been talking about... Um, can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. And that's the point. Because if, if, if the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, then, th- then we're supposed to glorify God. And God is glorified in us when he saves us by him. He is always the giver. He provides us in the Psalms. I run to you. You're my stronghold. You're my only help in weakness. The Lord leads me beside still, quiet, peaceful, beautiful waters. But because of him, my cup overflows. I can't. The psalmist in Psalm 23 doesn't say, I give stuff to God and make him happy. He says, no, God pours into me and my cup overflows. And so to think that I offer something to God is to deny him his glory, right? Mm. To say, God, let me bring you this is to say, God, I don't actually need what you're offering. Here's something I can give you. You are not what I most desperately need and long for. This, this is something else. This is something that I can add to you as if the goodness of God could be added to. That's what we see in Genesis 3. That's exactly this is why I saved my what we part. see. And, and, and that's what Adam and Eve pretty much said. They were like, we're just going to do things our own way. Yes. And, and that doesn't, obviously we see that doesn't work. Yeah. They're covered in shame. Yeah. All they do is they hide from God yeah. because they're scared of what they've done. They're ashamed of what they've sinned against God. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, God, God doesn't need you to be perfect no what he wants is you to come open and in humility yeah. to say i'm broken yeah i'm hurt yeah i'm in desperate need of grace need of grace need need of need of need of grace yes need of life yes need of saving from what um from death yes but also from myself mm-hmm. from from my heart that wants to sin right our, our hearts we don't sin because we're forced to no, nobody's holding a gun to your head, making you, you click on that one website. Nobody's holding a gun to your head, making you yeah. lie to your, to your friends. Nobody's holding a gun to your head, making you, making you become angry. You just do those things because you want to. How can you change what you want? Mm-hmm. You can't, right? Who can change what you want? What does God say? I'll take out the heart of stone for my people and put in a heart of flesh. Your heart is, is where your desires sit in. So God can change what you want so that you want the things of God. So you find joy in him. So you find pleasure in him. And that's what God wants. God wants you 
to stop being satisfied with the temporary pleasures of sin mm. and fully long for and desire and chase after and enjoy the eternal pleasures. And what does Paul say in Ephesians there? The unsearchable riches of Christ. It's amazing. So why, why do, I'll just quickly say, why do we call that shame healthy? Because it makes you viscerally aware of how powerless you are against the the desires, the, the corrupted desires of sin within you. You cannot save yourself. You cannot stop sinning. You cannot stop wanting to sin. But when you come, but then when you become aware of that and you feel defeated, absolutely defeated, and you're like, I actually can't do anything. I'm not good enough. I'm not powerful enough. Me as a person cannot fight against this. And God yeah. says, yes, mm-hmm. that's why I fought the battle for you on the cross. Yeah. So like, why do we call that shame healthy? Because it pushes you to an utter dependence and need of God to satisfy you first and to take out those broken desires that pushed you to descend in the first place. That's why shame is like a surgery because it is in depth, it is in painful, and ultimately it is healthy. Ultimately, it is life-saving. Mm-hmm. Um, I said a lot of things just there. Yeah, I got a little. I got a little excited. Yeah, the lo- the levels were reading on my mic too. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, no, I. My next question, I guess, to we we covered that there. <laughs> Quinn, wave, for those who can't see, Quinn's waving like a tree above his head. Like, calm down, boy. Sit down. <laughs> sorry, I just, I just, the gospel gets me. No, dude, sometimes. that that's amazing. I I love that. Um, yeah. What what would you say then for this for this person who is then struggling with this shame and where they've snowballed, they've snowballed into the depths of, of that, of that shame mm. where, where they're just trying to, they're just trying to cover up. They got a mask, so yeah. to speak on yeah. from, from their shame. What are, what are some ways that you can, um, that you would say you can help this person, whether, whether it's you going through this mm-hmm. or you see someone going through this? Absolutely. Um, can I, can I start from the Bible, uh, and then talk a bit more no, you anecdotally? Can't. I, <laughs> I'm not going to talk. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, let's return to Genesis because uh, I think Adam and Eve could have give us a very good example of what not to do. Specifically, Adam, Eve, you may have started this, but Adam sure finished it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we just left them off. Uh, then the eyes of both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They're on that path of trying to cover up by themselves. Verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I I felt shame and I hid myself. God said, who told you you were naked? Why do you feel this shame? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? In other words, shame only comes from sin, Adam. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. It's a pretty bogus excuse, but God doesn't toss it out right away. He says, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? Is what he says true? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. What do Adam and Eve do? There's a few things go really wrong here. One, they hide from God. Um, let me now flip to 
the Gospel of Matthew to the wonderful Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And listen to this. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. There's a few teachings that you can get from that, but, but, the, but the prayer that Jesus encouraged us to pray commonly includes forgive us our debts. You stand before God. You crawl on your knees towards God mm -hmm. and you say, God, oh, 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 I can't remember where the prodigal son is or I turn to that parable. Um, the prodigal son, father, I am ashamed of myself. Let me be the least of the slaves in your household. The prodigal son returns utterly in shame to his father. He doesn't hide. He knows that his only, his only way out of the pig slop is to go to his father, but he begs for, for to be treated as he deserves or better than he deserves, but still shamefully in the eyes of some. What does Jesus tell us to pray? Forgive us our debts. This is a daily prayer he's talking about. How do we know that? Give us this day our daily bread. Why would you pray that prayer once a week? You ask for daily bread every day. That's why it's called daily bread. And so also in that daily prayer, he says, forgive us our debts. Jesus knows our hearts. Jesus knows that we do not go a day without sin. First John, um, uh, if anyone says he is without sin, he is a liar. Jesus knows we are sinning, mm -hmm. but he says, you confess that to the father. So the prodigal son goes to his father intentionally seeking forgiveness. Adam and Eve hid. So if you are stuck in a cycle of trying to cover up your sin so that nobody can see it, so that even you start to forget about it, even you start to think, well, it's not that bad. And then you, you, you're because you're trying to hide yourself from the shame because you know it is wrong and you're hiding yourself from God, do come out of the garden. Because listen, what does God do? He calls them out and God will call you out. Mm -hmm. He will. Um, and I'd encourage you to come to him before it gets there. Daily repent, daily come to the father in need of forgiveness. He, and don't think he's going to be surprised. Jesus knew, John knew. If anyone says he's without sin, he is a liar. Don't, just don't try to play that game. So come to the father. Next, God does call them out. God does confront them because sin does need confronting. Um, he says, what have you done? What is this? Why do you feel the shame? What is this sin you have committed? Um, and what does Adam do? He shifts the blame away. He says, it wasn't my fault. What does Eve do? Shifts the blame away. It wasn't my fault. Um, if you, <laughs> for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, 
you are responsible for the things you have done. Um, I know, like, listen, I know other factors can play into that. I know maybe you've had crappy parents. I know maybe people have hurt you. I know that there's not always one reason for something happening, but the Bible is clear. When you dishonor God, you are held accountable for it. Those other people, don't worry, they're going to be held accountable too, but that doesn't mean you get off the hook. So don't, don't, postpone the day of repentance because you are trying to escape blame because you are trying to escape accountability. Listen, you can push that all the way until judgment day and, and then see how that works out for you. You can try that, but just know that no matter how long you push it off, you are going to be held accountable. But if you deal with it now, father, forgive us our debts. It's not a, it's not a hopeless prayer. That's a prayer with the full knowledge that God does forgive. What does, I, I, I wish I could quote John precisely, but he says, um, when we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Right? Sorry, I started kind of, I started kind of going there, but, but that the point is so important. Like when you confess, God forgives. But if you put like Adam and Eve, tried to solve it themselves, tried to push it off. And then what came, that's when the judgment came. They waited until God took it into his own hands. What, what does, um, like there's, uh, I, I wish I knew all, all this stuff is just flying out of my head right now. I'm sorry. No, but you're good. Like, like Peter says, like, like, why is God postponing the day of judgment? Why isn't the Lord Jesus back yet? He is waiting patiently. Now I'm going to the apostle Paul. He's waiting patiently, patiently enduring vessels of wrath. Paul says, waiting for his elect to be gathered up, for his chosen to be gathered up, for his people to come to him. Coming to God means in repentance. And so God is postponing the day of judgment specifically so that you may come to him. And if you run that clock out, then God will come to you and God will deal with your sin. You feel shame. Shame is like, you know how, you know why wounds get infected? Or I guess not why they get infected. Why when they get infected, your skin gets red and pus comes out and it hurts really bad because your body's saying, hey, pay attention to this. Something's really wrong and you need to deal with it. Our spirits are the same way. When we, when, when sin is infecting us, shame is the, the shame is the red inflammation of the infected area. It's saying, hey, this hurts because you need to deal with it. So don't leave it. Deal with the infection. Deal with the, deal with the sin. We'll come to God in repentance. When we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is the father waiting with the porch lights on for you to come home. But you do have to come home. You do have to, you do have to, what would you say? Yeah, you do have to repent. You, you do have to not just sit in the shame. And so I guess back to your original question is a very practical one. Um, and I think I took it in a very impractical direction. Um, what, what would I say to somebody who is stuck in this cycle of trying to deal with their shame by right actions and confusing themselves and the people around them and trying to confuse God and failing miserable, miserably, at least at the last one? Um, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
therefore repent and believe for the forgiveness of your sins. Um, you have a lot less time than you think. And God desperately, maybe not de desperately is a bad word, but God wants relationship with you. Desperately implies a few things. God passionately wants relationship with you. God passionately wants you to find joy and satisfaction in him so that he may be glorified and that you may find your fullest joy. Um, but your sin is blockage to that. Uh, and so don't try to dull the shame. Don't try to root yourself into thinking that good works cancel out the source of your shame. Don't try to dampen down the hot burning fire of that shame. Let the shame propel you towards repentance to God. That's what I'd say. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lot of things that I said, and I apologize. Definitely a lot of them. And I, I tried to keep track and I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, another thing that I want to take a look at is if you see someone going through something, um, if you see someone, it's like this This looks like some sort of shame that snowballed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can just tell by the way they hold themselves. Yeah, um, They've got some some stuff that they're working through. And sometimes you can tell if someone's hiding something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a lot of times we, we have a, a quote unquote mask yeah. uh, where we try to cover up shame yeah. to, um, yeah, to cover up all of our insecurities and things. And I would say, if you see someone like this, um, don't call them out, mm. but call them up. Mm. Call them up into relationship. Right. You don't need to flat out say, hey, you're dealing with this blah, blah, blah. It's like, have a conversation. Be like, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. If they're very like, got a wall, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Continue to press into that. Yeah. Um, I've had conversations where it's just like, you give me nothing, mm. give it a little bit. Mm. You ask them some a different question. Yeah. They start to open up. You, you just, sometimes it's it's about asking the right questions at yeah. the right time. Yeah. Um. So if you ask them, how are you feeling? Mm. Be be as genuine as possible. Yeah. Um. Show that you care because when people see that you care, yeah. then they start to see like, hey, I can actually trust this person. I Absolutely. want to trust this person. Yeah. Um. Because sometimes it's you you can't get through shame alone. You you need Jesus, mm -hmm. um, first and foremost. But sometimes you need someone there along the way to to help guide you to that place. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I agree. I don't disagree with what you said. I, I agree that you need to approach people in a kind spirit, right? It should never be out of malice or anger you approach somebody. Um, and I, I, I actually quite like the idea of calling somebody up. Um, may, may I offer a slight pushback? Yeah. Um, just for the sake of maybe fleshing our ideas out a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say about, uh, two examples come really fruitfully to mind. Um, Jesus with the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, um, he was definitely in a complete spirit of kindness, right? Forming a, a true worshiper of the Father who could worship God in spirit and in truth. Um, and he asked a lot of questions. So I, I think all those things are correct. But then he also said, um, she, when she said, when he asked, like, uh, where is your husband? She said, I have no husband. What did Jesus say? He said, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands. <laughs> and the guy you're sleeping with right now, not your husband. That is correct. Um, so I think Jesus called her out a little bit. And he also called her up. And then the other example that comes to my mind is Stephen, uh, the martyr, um, who called out the Pharisees um, who were 
um, what would you say, prosecuting him and then stoned him to death. He called them out on their sin, right? He said, you hung Jesus and you need to repent for that. Um, and then what, what was his last prayer that we can see the spirit of kindness and father, do not hold this sin against them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, I, I don't, I, I agree. I, I think calling people out on their sin can easily be an expression of anger or self-righteousness or malice yeah. saying, hey, you got this sin and I don't try to be more like me or, or trying to, or, or having a hidden sin yourself and pointing out a sin you've seen somebody else to try to make yourself feel better about this thing you're holding on to. But if you are coming from a place of kindness and saying, hey, this sin that you're practicing is keeping you from God, I think the most loving thing you can do for that person is to call them out in kindness in order to call them up. It's yeah. part of the process. And and like some people, sometimes it's, it's hard to differentiate those two. Yeah. Um, I would say people are able to tell a lot of things by your tone. For sure. For sure. For sure. I, I would say that's um, one way that people are going to be able to note. Um, they're going to be able to note whether you're doing this in kindness or you're doing anger and just trying to to call them out for the sake of them being mad at you. You had a thought. <laughs> Scripture, in fact. Um, then we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, we'll go on. Okay. Yes, we will. This is the last one. Um, so just, just on what we were talking about, uh, yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul has something to say about it. Second Thessalonians three, I'll start in verse 14. It says, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, in other words, scripture, right? If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person. He's, he's actually quite intense and have nothing to do with him so that he may be ashamed. Then verse 15 kind of, I think, ties it together. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Um, so the people around you who are sinning aren't like, if they, they're not meant to be your enemies. Even if they are, Jesus said to pray for your enemies. So mm-hmm. you're kind of locked into this. Um, but he said, don't regard that person as, don't regard your fellow believers who are sinning as an enemy. Regard them as a brother and know that don't, don't, call them out. Don't um, make them aware of their sin for the, for the purpose of slandering them, but do it. He says, I, I love the word he uses because it's so full of meaning. Warn them. Brother, you are walking down a dangerous path. Come back to Jesus, right? So, so I think Paul kind of lays out a good, um, what would you say, template for us. Do not regard him as an enemy. Warn him as a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that'd be a good way to help deal with these sorts of things with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we've said a lot of stuff in the, or some of us have said a lot of, I, I feel like I've gone off in a few tangents in this episode, but it was, it was um, good all around the theme of shame, your shame, um, correct, wrong shame, shame that can go on too long shame that can lead you to wrong responses and shame that can lead you to right responses. Uh, go read the the account of the fall in Genesis 3. That's where we get a lot of our thoughts that we followed from. And then uh, I wish I, like a lot of the scripture was kind of like trying to pull it from the recesses of the brain. There was one in Ephesians. There was, there, go read the book, go read the Bible guys and you'll hear all about this stuff. So it's good. Um, but uh, end of show thoughts, Quinn. What, what, what's the last thing? Like what's the last impression you'd want to leave people with just yeah. as we wrap up? Um, I would say 
um, when you're living in sin, that's not where God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're living in this shame, um, that can snowball, that can yeah. go to a, a deep, dark, maybe even depression. That's not where God wants you. Yeah. No, instead, God, God wants you to repent from your sins, to f- be free from that shame in that moment and to have a relationship. Mm. Because through freeing up that that shame from repenting, it it forces you into a relationship with God, a relationship mm. that is everlasting, oh so pure, mm-hmm. oh so tender, so caring, so loving, so many amazing things. Mm. That is what God wants ultimately from us. And we can't do that when we're stuck in the chains of shame. It's mm. good. And would you say maybe God um, wants to remove the shame by removing the source of the shame, where the shame is coming from, the yeah. sin. Yeah, he, he yeah. wants you to get rid of it completely. He doesn't want you to get rid of it for two weeks. He mm-hmm. doesn't want you to get rid of um, something just temporarily. No, he mm-hmm. wants your full attention. And so that means getting rid of your sin in your life 100%. Awesome. That's beautiful. Um, end of show thoughts. Um, shame is like the inflamed red skin around an infection. It is there to warn you of something dangerous that has infected you and that could lead to serious harm or death unless you deal with it. Um, How do you deal with it? Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's the gospel, right? Shame, Shame is deeply tied to the gospel. Anyways, we have reached the end of our show. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Whatever platform you are listening on, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else, just encourage you guys. uh, We'd appreciate it if you follow the show, left a review, uh, follow us on Instagram at RevolutionPod for more updates and other things that we are up to. Um, And we have episodes coming out every Tuesday. If you uh, appreciated this episode. If you know somebody who is struggling with shame, if you know somebody who, who would find the encouragements, warnings, and teachings, the biblical teachings in this episode that we touched on, if you know somebody who would find that helpful, um, I mean, we would just love if you guys could uh, send the episode around, spread the word, um, and uh, yeah, we, we want to. This is a, a ministry of outreach, and so we want to we want to reach out as far as we can to the people who are hurting and need the truth of the Bible in their lives. So, anyways, thank you guys for sticking around with us and hope you have a great week. See ya.